this is from the Old Testament. Moreover, this is a part of that larger passage, the Book of the Covenant. These are literally Old Covenant commandments. So, how do we determine that these commandments apply to us today? What is up, everybody? Welcome back to An Average Account of Exceptional Things. My name is Chandler, and I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So this week, we are getting things rolling again with our normal weekly release schedule, Lord willing, of course. So I am very excited to have things back to how they ought to be, and I thank all of you listening for your patience and your understanding over the last month or so. But with that said... What are we going to be discussing today? Well, while considering what topic might be the best for this week, it came to my attention that last summer we had a series of episodes talking about the armor of God. And that brought to mind another topic that I've been looking for an opportunity to cover here on the podcast, and that I feel, because of its breadth and because of its importance, is best covered in a short series of perhaps two to three episodes. That topic is, of course, none other than the Ten Commandments. Now, I'm sure that many listeners will be familiar with the Ten Commandments or will have at least heard of them at some point. But for those who haven't or perhaps would like a quick refresher, the Ten Commandments are a set of just that, Ten Commandments, given to Moses from the Lord on Mount Sinai. Now, we find the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. So, to put that into a more general context of the book of Exodus as a whole, because if you're anything like me, just throwing out a book and chapter number may not always jog your memory as to where that is. This takes place, of course, in the book of Exodus, after the Israelites have left the land of Egypt, after crossing the Red Sea, and after they have first received manna, etc. So this is around that time before the golden calf, and we'll discuss that a little more as we progress through this series. So hopefully that gives you a little context of where exactly this is in the events of Exodus. The Ten Commandments are also a part of a larger passage spanning Exodus chapters 20 through 23, and that larger passage is often referred to as the Book of the Covenant, which essentially outlines God's covenant with his people, Israel. So hopefully that gives a bit more context and a little bit of a refresher for where we are as we start talking about the Ten Commandments and how valuable these are, not only in terms of the people of Israel during the events of Exodus, but also in application for Christians today. Now here in a moment, we're going to read those verses with the Ten Commandments there from Exodus 20, and then I want to take just a moment to address why these commandments are still very applicable in a New Testament, New Covenant context before we dig in and really examine these one by one. So let's go ahead and read those verses from Exodus now. This is going to be Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 21. 
And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off, while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. So we went just a little farther than the Ten Commandments themselves there, but I wanted to give a bit of extra context for what's happening there uh, just in the aftermath of receiving the commandments. So there we have it, the passage as a whole. Now before we get into discussing the individual commandments themselves, there's something that we need to address, and I mentioned this just a moment ago. This is from the Old Testament. Moreover, this is a part of that larger passage, the Book of the Covenant. These are literally Old Covenant commandments. So, how do we determine that these commandments apply to us today? Well, I think that this is an important question that we have to ask here. And really, any time that we're considering passages with Old Testament laws, I would generally always encourage Christians or people studying Old Testament law under the lens of the New Covenant to consider this and ask what type of law we're reading about here. 
After all, there are differences in Old Covenant laws as they pertain to Christians today. So as we discussed more thoroughly in Episode 7, Old Covenant versus New Covenant, Old Covenant laws fall into different categories. Some are ceremonial laws, which serve different purposes such as to distinguish God's people from other groups of people, or for other reasons. Now, other laws, rather than being ceremonial laws, were moral laws, or I should say are moral laws. These moral laws pertain to things that are inherently sinful or wrong. And because God's character does not change, and objective moral standards do exist, they're unchanging as well, and there will probably be more discussion on that a bit later in the series. You know, these are commandments that are still directly applicable to us today. So those are two of those distinct categories when we're looking at Old Testament or Old Covenant law. So then the question we must ask here is, which category do the Ten Commandments fall into? Well, hopefully we can all agree that murdering and the like are things that we should certainly not be doing. So it seems that the Ten Commandments would clearly fall into the category of moral law, meaning that they are directly applicable to us today, even under the New Covenant. Even still, though, I do want to provide a few verses that offer a scriptural foundation for this stance as well, because there is certainly plenty of scripture that tells us that the Ten Commandments are still applicable to Christians under the New Covenant, despite differences in our physical or cultural landscape. Just a quick note as well, you'll notice that all of these passages I'm about to share are from the New Testament. The first is going to be Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So here we see several of the commandments from the Ten Commandments referenced. And not just in passing, but for further discussion on how we ought to conduct ourselves and how we ought to live. This is in a New Testament, New Covenant context. So we can see that clearly here from this passage in Romans. Another New Testament passage that we can look to here is Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So once again, we see here the command to honor your father and your mother 
echoed in New Testament scripture. And again, this is in the book of Ephesians. So this is certainly after the events of the Gospels. Now finally, I don't think that we could really consider this question of where the Ten Commandments fall without bearing in mind the words of Jesus himself from the Sermon on the Mount. And this is a passage that we have most definitely referenced before and that many of you may be familiar with. I'm certain that, if nowhere else, we have referenced this in our episode discussing Jesus and the law. And this is going to be a bit of a longer passage, but I think it's very applicable here. It's going to be Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 28. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So again, we see just in this passage here that Jesus himself declares that he has not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And he then provides two very familiar examples, raising the bar on murder and on adultery here to help us better understand just how serious this sin is. You may recall that both of these commandments that Jesus cites here appear in the Ten Commandments that we read from Exodus chapter 20. You may also recall a point from our recent episode on scriptural inerrancy that even though we refer to the books of the Bible as Old Testament or New Testament, it isn't as if these are testament 
version one and testament version two, so to speak. It isn't like there's the old obsolete testament and here's the new and improved testament. In reality, the old and the new testaments are simply two pieces that together make up the whole biblical canon. Now, I know that we just went through a lot of scripture, and we've spent a fair amount of time addressing this question that is sort of a precursor of sorts to studying the Ten Commandments. But I do firmly believe that this point of the Ten Commandments as lasting moral law and not ceremonial law is one that needs to be well-established before we can effectively consider the application of this scripture in the context of Christians today. And in terms of the volume of scripture that we've read, can you ever really have enough of God's word? Now the answer, of course, is no. But we can't begin a series on the Ten Commandments without looking at at least one of these commandments So before we wrap up this week's episode, let's consider the first commandment there from Exodus 20. You shall have no other gods before me. Now there are a couple of important things to note about this commandment, and I want to address any potential misunderstandings or misconceptions that might arise from the language of this verse first. So first and foremost... Though the commandment is phrased, you shall have no other gods before me, this does not in any way indicate that we can worship other gods. When someone reads that you shall have no other gods before me, perhaps someone with a tenuous or shaky understanding of Scripture or someone who is looking to distort Scripture for their own purposes, that individual might take this to mean, or try to take this to mean, that they can worship other gods to just as long as they worship the Lord first. And that is strictly incorrect. As used here, the phrasing before me means in addition to me, right? Have no other gods in addition to me. Have no other gods, period. None. Only the Lord. So once again, that expression there before me is a Hebrew expression, and it means here in addition to. So I don't want anyone to be confused by that. Secondly, this is not to indicate that these other gods actually exist. But of course, that doesn't stop us from acting like they do sometimes. Moses himself actually affirms that there is no other God besides the Lord later in the Bible, in the book of Deuteronomy. And this is also further stated in several New Testament writings as well. The thing about it is, just because these other gods don't actually exist, we as people, as humans, as fallen creatures, can be very bad about making idols anyway and treating them as if they do have power. Just consider the golden calf from later in Exodus. We can read that passage and know undoubtedly, no questions, that this golden calf they created had no power. And yet, the people still worshipped it 
as if it did. And this brings us to what I feel is perhaps the greatest application here for Christians today. The commandment of having no other gods before the Lord is pretty straightforward in one sense. Have no other gods. Only serve the Lord. But the issue is that too often we are slow to realize when we're making a god for ourselves, When we're creating an idol in our lives. Because these days, the things that we treat as gods or make idols out of in our lives above the Lord, or in addition to the Lord, don't usually take the form of a physical golden calf or an idol on a pedestal. In modern environments, often the things that we elevate in our lives and idolize are things like a career or academic achievements or personal goals, things like that. And there isn't anything inherently wrong with any one of those things, and I don't want to indicate that there is. But the issue comes when we have our priorities and our affections out of order. When we place those things on the same level as God, or when we effectively live as though we're serving those goals as the most important thing in our lives. So when considering this commandment, I would encourage Christians today to not only remember this commandment in terms of serving no other gods or having no other gods in the context of other religions, of other established systems of belief, but also in the context of the idols that we make in our lives. Those things that perhaps on their own aren't necessarily sinful, but that we elevate to a place that they shouldn't be. So with that in mind, I hope you'll join us next week as we continue our series looking at the Ten Commandments. And I pray that even though this episode was certainly a lot of setup for the discussion to come, that it was a blessing to you nonetheless. So with all that said, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of An Average Account of Exceptional Things. And until next time, encourage one another, love your enemies, and count your blessings. Thank mm-hmm. you.